All right, welcome to episode four of 90 Schmaltz, where we love cool jazz sax intros and mids and outros. As always, you can find us on wherever we decide to upload. I'm Ned. I'm Jeff. And we're two friends who like to talk about media endlessly. And uh, how you doing today, Jeff? Good. Yeah. I have to keep going to work every single day. Yeah, welcome can back. Can believe this? What a nightmare. I don't know how people live like this. How you make money. Yeah, that's true. I gotta wait till May for my benefits to kick in, though. Well, don't get in a car accident or anything. Actually, that's not terrible. I forgot that it's basically April. It is April. All right, first things first, we have our very first correction. Uh, and it's not a fun one, but I, th- I don't recall which episode or what we said, but we said made some fun of Bruce Willis and his recent bad movies, uh, as many on the internet did. And yeah, because he was making some terrible movies. Yeah. But we come to find out. We come to find out he has uh, aphasia. So it's not his fault. Uh, and he's been put in a bad position. And that sucks. And so we apologize. Yeah, sorry, Bruce. Yeah. Uh, and I'm going to take a brave stance here and now and say that I think elder abuse is bad. I don't know how you feel. I think I'll agree with you. And uh, um, we're going to miss you, Bruce. Yeah. It's very sad to see. Donnie, no, not Donnie Darko. Ugh, what am I saying? Hudson Hawk. It's sad to see his iconic role of Hudson Hawk and to see him this way. I le- Butch Coolidge. I legitimately like Hudson Hawk. I think it's all right. I think it's unfairly maligned. Malcolm Crow. Is that a movie? Uh, that's his role in uh, uh, M. Night Shyamalan's. Oh, uh, uh, okay. The Sixth Sense. Butch Coolidge yep. is uh, Pulp Fiction. I wouldn't be able to tell you the names of the characters from any M. Night Shyamalan movie. At least that was a, a pretty good movie. Yeah. I, I'll, I should never watch it again. It's, probably can't go back. Yeah, that actually might be true. It might, not, it might be one of those that, that, that doesn't quite hold up. I think there's plenty of movies that... To be fair, if we ever do movies, it's in the right decade. Yeah, that's true. Is that 99? It is 99. Yeah, that sounds right. Ugh. Tonight we're talking about Nightman. Nightman. This is a... Laser eye and becomes a nighttime superhero. That's great. I didn't know he didn't need to sleep. I don't think that ever came up. Yeah. I didn't know that other than from this, wherever I pulled this from, this uh, neat synopsis. Uh, and I definitely don't remember ever seeing this on television. Yeah, I don't remember this at all. And probably for good reason, we'll get into some of the reasons for that. But a little bit of background, if you weren't a big comic book head in 1993 to 1995, then you probably, it, I, I liked comics at the time, I don't think I ever heard of any of this stuff. Uh, it's a company called Malibu Comics, which had eaten several other comic book publishers and was doing really good work with their art. Uh, I guess they had an, an impressive print department, because I'm not a big comic book nerd, so I don't know when these changes happened but i do remember comics in the 90s looking a lot better than comics in the 80s generally and there's i mean someone must have made that change right i don't know who just a general thought of art direction change which i mean you you see happen each decade sometimes sooner anyway well i know like a lot of the because when i went back and read Watchmen and the dark knight returns it's kind of stark how the way they printed comics there were like limited colors 
Yeah, it was a different uh, printing too. Maybe yeah. once printing evolved, the the art could evolve with it. Yeah. So, but Malibu was one of those companies that was good at art and printing, which is why when they went up for sale, Marvel and DC both had the opportunity to buy them, and Marvel bought them. Some say for the print department, and some say to stop DC from buying them. But Malibu Comics is pretty interesting. They were formed. Uh, there were dozens of comic book companies popping up in the eighties, and they were formed in eighty six. Uh, they ended up buying up other publishers and in the early 90s even made a video game company. They which, did. It, uh, Malibu Interactive Games. Which actually had a few. They did a lot of Genesis games. Yeah. Uh, they made the Urban Strike and Desert Strike games. And they worked on Mech Warrior 3050 for Genesis. And they made a couple of. They had games based on their properties, a couple of sports games, and then licensed junk. And that's not to insult them because it's time tracks the video game is a bad video game about a bad tv show <laughs> and i love time tracks but and i think malibu was one of those companies ocean was another one that did a lot of licensed stuff and you would get free little bonus magaz ad magazines with your game players or game pro that just showed you like summer lineup for ocean and malibu hmm. and uh, i didn't own any of them except for jungle strike and i couldn't get past level two I never had a Genesis, so... The video game portion is what ended up killing the company. Uh, it didn't make... and wasn't making ends meet, and it was draining all the finances from the rest of the company. Uh, so they ended up putting themselves up for sale, and bought. they got bought in uh, November 1994. And I mentioned the month because... Uh, I'm going to mention the months in here more than the years, because it's staggering to me how fast this all happened. So the Ultraverse premiered in June 1993. They got bought in November 1994. Oh, we're talking about the comics right now on how they progressed Oh, yeah. So I, I should tell you what the Ultraverse yeah. is. I'm so sorry. That's my yeah, fault. Yeah. Uh, so before the sale to Marvel, Malibu's big tentpole franchise was the Ultraverse, of which Nightman was a nearby friend, uh, but not necessarily in the Ultraverse itself. But he does show up in the Ultraverse cartoon that I didn't know about, which was made in 94, 95. And it's based on the comics. So there is a Nightman toy. And we'll talk about that later. But it's based on a cartoon, not on this show. Right. So the Ultraverse was started in June 1993. It was tightly connected as far as crossovers. It did that thing I hate about 90s comics where there would be like a 12-part story. And to read it, you would have to read three issues in November of three different comics in order. And then you'd have to get the next time it would be three maybe even different comics. So if you subscribe to one comic and you read these comics, they'd be, you'd be reading episodes 1, 8, and 12 of a 15-part series. Hmm. It was terrible. So they were made in June 1993. They were bought in November 1994 by Marvel. Marvel kept the Ultraverse going for a little while and did some crossovers. And in September 1995, which they call Black September, they retconned the Ultraverse into something else that didn't seem to make anyone else happy and killed the entire line in December 1996 with one final one shot in 97 that tied up all the loose ends. Yeah, it was literally like one last comic that just yeah. tied up everything that they had going on, which is wild. And so that's like that's three and a half years from bottom to top Yeah, for this thing. And it's wild that it's still got this many spinoffs out of it, given, you know, it had to have been successful for... It was, it was already not in great shape in November 94, so within, you know, three months, they already had probably all this stuff all this other st licensed stuff in the works, not realizing that by the time our show debuts in 1997, uh, there is no more Nightman in the comics at all. Hmm. 
Did you know that they also picked up uh, this? That's is where Marvel got Men in Black from was Malibu because Malibu originally bought it from oh, yeah. um, Aircell or whatever it was. That was one of the things that was interesting. There was a lot of interesting sounding comics in the Malibu line. Uh, they had Ultraverse, Men in Black, Exiles. I think that's all I have on here. Yeah, that's all, all right. I have on here. There was just a lot of littler stuff that I don't have uh, on me now to look up. But I one of their things they did was public domain characters. Oh, I didn't see books that. based on Sherlock Holmes and such. Hmm. But it's interesting. Comic books, man. They're wild. The 90s I mean, was a wild time for comic books. It really was. And I don't, I'm not going to talk bad about the Ultraverse because I never read it. And I can't, as a person who at the time legitimately liked cable comics, I can't make fun of anyone else's taste in superheroes. I did not sort of get interested in comics until I think much, much later. It should have told me uh, something. We used to go to a comic book store, um, but I never really read any of the comics. I was always just into collectible toys back then. I had a friend, a college roommate, that got into comics in like 03 to 05, and we would go to the comic book store and get a couple new releases and then go eat sushi every Wednesday. Hmm. It was pretty great. Yeah, that's kind of a nice thing to do for release day. It should have told me something that all the cable comics were available at the dollar store. should have told me something about the quality. But hey, I was seven. What do I know? <laughs> uh, do you want to talk about the VHS just real quick? I can talk about the VHS, that there was no VHS. Yeah, we only had a DVD release of this uh, live action Nightman uh, programming uh, released in 2018. Strange. I wonder who. I'm glad that people exist that are putting things like this and these weirder movies on DVD and Blu-ray. Uh, but wow, who was clamoring for it? I know for <laughs> a release that came out in 2018, <laughs> and the box. I mean, it it literally looks like somebody set everything up in their basement. They printed it, yeah. they, you know, cut the DVDs and they, they did the processing and mailed them out to places. Uh, but it, I mean, it does make sense, right? The television show was in syndication. We can't find it on a TV guide. I'm really quick looking up. Uh, you're not going to show me the back, are you? Of the DVD? Lionsgate? I can get the back. I just want to see who's putting it out. This is not terribly important. I don't want to. You can buy it at Walmart for $26.99 right now. Unrated. It is so hard to find. Uh picture of the back of this lionsgate is lionsgate put it out huh yep that's incredible i would have thought i would have thought this was some sort of vinegar syndrome-esque uh enthusiast group well how about that release date was june 12 2018 studio lionsgate so it is the bestseller rank of number 18,959 in movies and tv on amazon and pretty good number 12,382 in dvd who's buying dvds i don't know i mean definitely not a terrible idea these days with the way some of these streaming services go but uh it's always good to kind of own your own we can't all uh put our eye patches on yeah that's true all right so produced by alliance atlantis which is a canadian company that made a bunch of interesting if not great television shows and the specific ones that I recall and have watched are Reboot, Love reboot. Beast Wars. Sorry, I just interrupt you, but yeah. seeing that on the oh, list, Reboot is just, wow, that really takes me back to sitting on the couch in my old house. Reboot's really something. That was a Saturday morning treasure for sure, because that's another one where I never knew when it would air. I don't think I caught any of season three until it went on Adult Swim or on Toonami years later. Uh, Beast Wars, Transformers Beast Wars. 
the famous Jet Jackson and Trailer Park Boys, hmm. which I've only watched recently. I love it. Um, the property was owned by Tribune, right, at the time? Tribune Broadcasting. Yeah, and broadcast on, I guess, WB, but it, what I found was the it was broadcast over just uh, WPIX, WGN, and KTLA. We had a lot of trouble finding out where and when this aired. Uh, differing dates given on different websites, and I'll just do what else we could be watching at this point. I have no idea what else you could watch at this time because I could not find Nightman in any TV guide that I checked. And we went through a lot. I even tried to check some old newspapers um, to see if I could find it on a listing, and I could not find anything either. We did far too much research to no avail. So it was probably a hard show to find, even if you did care about it, which that tracks with my memory of a lot of these shows like Time Tracks, which I mentioned was one that I remember catching three episodes of, and then it got booted out of that time slot by literally anything else they could find. Well, this is the joy of syndication. Yeah. This is our second syndicated show, and I think we're going to be having a whole lot more. Oh, yeah. There's a lot on this list. Uh, so the effects company, I know this was just more of a fun fact that, uh, pulling from IMDB, they have listed, um, for effects as an EFX, which not to be confused with the mutual fund, American funds, the new economy fund. Um, but the only information that I could really find about this company was a Twitter account that hasn't been used since December, 2018 and a dead website, anefx.com. I managed to find through Facebook that it's Jack Levy is the guy who ran it. And I think he won an Emmy from what I could find. I think he won the Emmy for Battlestar Galactica. For sound mixing or something? I think it was sound mixing. Yeah, I think that's why I don't know. I don't know which part they did on this one. The sound is good in the show or good enough. Uh, I don't want to I don't want to say that they did the effects because of the things we're going to have to say about these special effects. Yeah. And I, I mean, from everything that we could sort of compile, I don't think it was special effects i think it was sound anyway i'm gonna have to take a quick pause to check what this tornado warning covered on my phone just i get it you want to take a All break right, here? well no it's fine uh do you want to talk about created glenn, glenn by glenn a larson uh the show was created by glenn larson same creator of battlestar galactica buck rogers the 25th century uh knight rider magnum pi those are good properties those are great properties very strong i guess he in the back half of his career he may have fell off a little bit if he was creating nightman it sounded like he you know if you take a lot of shots you don't have to hit you can you can be low accuracy if you just do a lot this also might have something to do with the criticism that he got the specific thing i read was about uh i guess there was some theft of rockford files episodes that got union judicated to to give the writing credit to someone else so I don't know enough of it, enough about it to talk any more about it as far as that, but uh, Harlan Ellison did famously call him Glenn Larceny, oh. which I think is funny. <laughs> Tell me about the music. Uh, music by Mark Bonilla, who also did music for the PJs, if anybody remembers that, that one, Eddie Murphy, Claymation, um, and he did the Nightman TV movie, so I'm going to assume just a general assumption that our main theme probably comes from Bonilla. And then yeah, the the first two episodes are the uh, what do you call it pilot movie, correct? Yeah, put together yep. for the the TV movie. Uh, he did all of season one, and then we switch over to uh, Graham Coleman for season two, and they are 
on uh, Composer on Beastmaster, Cold Squad, and it uh, looks like six episodes of The Outer Limits. Great. For the main cast. These are all a bunch of, we ran into the problem of the fact that these are all a bunch of working actors in the 90s who never really had anything particularly big. Yeah, really, everybody except for Earl uh, Holliman. Right, his older career. Yeah, and that's way before the decade we're talking about. Mm-hmm. So Matt McComb is Nightman, or Johnny Domino, as his friends call him. <laughs> he was... It's funny, apparently they decided he was going to be an action star, and the International Producers Association named him the new action star of the 90s to take over for the flagging stalwarts of Stallone and Schwarzenegger. They pegged that one. Yeah, uh, he sure did. He made three or four action movies, uh, the name I don't have, uh, but he did a lot of stuntman work, more stuntman credits than acting credits. Yeah, 80 stuntman credits. He was a model originally, is what I read. Uh, He was a a famous model and then made the transition to acting. I did read that too. Yeah, and I guess he was stunt double in the Next Generation episode where Silence Has Lease, did four episodes of Baywatch, and he was Agent Thompson in The Matrix Reloaded. It's hard to recognize him, honestly, without his hair and chin. It does. Uh, You look at that picture and he does not look like the same person. Yeah, he looks more like a normal person, which is, it's interesting. I think you should talk about uh, Riley Jordan, the actors. Yeah, Riley Jordan is a Nightman's best friend. They did a mid-season switch. The show basically has one cast for season one and one cast for season two, uh, generally. But Riley Jordan is the only character who makes a transition, but the actor does not. And so we get... Two different guys. Derek Webster in season one. He was in a TNG episode. And in some other things. A lot a lot of these people have a lot of small guest roles. Yeah, we have a ton of walk-ons. Yeah. And then Derwin Jordan played Raleigh Jordan in season two. Uh, I don't know what this podcast episode, short series you're talking about is, but... I had to put it on there because it's a podcast. Okay. It's a sports Fair. podcast where it's like a uh, short mini-series. Uh, okay. So it's got writer credits, and they you know go it's through the whole ten days. Yeah. All right. And then he was also in Jason X. And I think, uh, having just watched the terrible quality stream on Tubi, that they look reasonably similar. One of the better actor changes I've ever seen. But then again, I can't see much. I mean the right the quality. We're not watching it in high def. Yeah. We're definitely we might not pick up on some of that stuff. You look at them today, they don't look anything similar. Absolutely not. I think the the second guy, Derwin Jordan, is trying to act like the first guy, too, which helps. He's trying to mime some of his mannerisms. Uh, Why don't you do Earl Hallman? We have Earl Hallman, plays Nightman's father, uh, Frank Dominus. Uh, He appears in season one and episode one of season two. Uh, He started his movie career in the mid-50s, appearing in... Quite a few things here or there, most of which nobody's really going to know what they are. Um, kind of just did miscellaneous work up into the 90s. Um, Forbidden Planet's the big one that I think. Okay, yeah. So Forbidden Planet. I did appear in the 90s in P.S. I Love You, the TV series. And he had some walk-on roles for Murder, She Wrote. Larry, and he played uh, himself on the Larry Sanders show. Great. Uh, but he's quality. I mean, even in this. Yeah, he's pretty good. I, he's a good I, I mean, I think everybody actually does decently well. Um, there are yeah, I don't a few other things that let him down. Yeah. yeah. Uh, I don't think they had a lot to work with. Next, we have uh, Lieutenant Bronco. 
uh, from season is, two. Yeah, from season two. Uh, it's played by Jane Heitmeyer. She played Renee Palmer in Earth Final Conflict for 66 episodes. Which I think is the whole run. I think it is the whole run, yeah. And then the season one female supporting actress is Felicia Bell as Jessica Rogers. I didn't, I watched, I'm going to tell, I'm going to tell you more about my podcast crime later, but I didn't see much of her at all in the episodes I watched. Uh, and she's not in the episodes, season two episodes, so we can't really say much about her. But she did three episodes. She played Jennifer Sisko in Deep Space Nine, which is, I think, delightful. I can't believe I didn't notice it was her, but then again, I didn't see her much in the show. You don't see her much in uh, Deep Space Nine either. And she did seven episodes of General Hospital and some walk on ER, but lots of stuff throughout. Uh, 43 episodes of Days of Our Lives. Yeah. Yep. Thank you. Tenant Dan. This is also season one, played by Michael Woods. Mm-hmm. Uh, he showed up on Capital News and also had walk-ons for Murder, She Wrote uh, and the Red Shoe Diaries. And previous to those, he uh, was on 78 episodes of Texas. There's is a show a, called Texas? Yeah, it's another one of those daytime uh, soaps. Okay. That's fair. So now we're at the section where we talk about awards. And there's nothing to talk about here. So we're instead, we're going to go back in time to fix the fact that we didn't mention anything about Recess's Emmy nominations. Uh, so Recess was on, uh, nominated for Outstanding Sound Editing in 99 and Outstanding Sound Mixing in 98. And now we've righted that great wrong just in time for me to admit to my podcast crimes, which is that I continued to watch Nightman after we watched our episodes. So uh, I've got a little bit more to say about the show, but I don't know uh, how Jeff, I feel I, about this because you're only supposed to watch two episodes. It's true. I throw myself upon your mercy, and we'll put sound, you know, the correct sound effects in here. Editor's note: No judgment, because I watched a bunch of recess. So, how do we pick these episodes? As usual, we tried to pick the highest and the lowest rated. The websites we use need a certain number of votes for it to actually show up as a useful graph and give us the information. So we have to manually check IMDb for this one. And we had to throw out the actual lowest rated episode. Uh, it's Face to Face, Season 1, Episode 6. And the fact that it had Donald Trump in it, I think, led to some review bombing. Because it has three times the votes of any other episode. And that's that's right, it had 49 votes. Yeah. Most of this, it was very difficult to be able to use uh, yeah. our actual episode ratings.com because there just was not enough data out in the world for this guy. Yep. So we are at the mercy of IMDb for this one. And so we chose season two, episode one, Ultra Web, and season two, episode 21, Night Woman Returns as the best and the worst. Uh, I think there was a tie for the best, uh, and we just picked the one that sounded the most interesting. There may have been three that had the same I rating. think that's right. Or two. I, this one actually might be the best, because I believe this one it was a 7.5 on IMDb. Yeah. And everything below, there was a 7.4, there was a 7, a 7.1, and then the most of the rest were just in the 6 and below. Well, I mainly went for this one because it was about the internet, and I love when shows in the 90s talk about the internet. Especially when they're supernatural thriller superhero shows that unimpressive budget. And they refer to it in the old timey sense of a two lane highway. Yeah. Well we'll get to that. So let me <laughs> this is Ultra Web, directed by Alan Eastman, written by Glenn A. Larson. 
Kieran Keyes, played by Kim Coates, is a tech tycoon that has made his own internet. But he's evil. We start the episode with him testifying to Congress, which is uh, shades of Mark Zuckerberg. I think very prescient of this episode. He uses his internet to brainwash and teleport people to his nefarious evil ends. Uh, after Johnny plays the saxophone at the local tech conference, he discovers the evil internet in Key's car. And Keyes hires Johnny's dad to do some corporate wet work, stealing from politicians. And when Nightman shows up to stop him, tragedy ensues because his dad dies. Spoilers. Uh, for some reason. Yeah, sorry, this is a spoiler cast. Did I not? I, we, maybe we need to mention that. <laughs> I didn't realize we'd be watching the probably the only episode we could spoil of Nightman. Well, I mean, I guess if you looked at IMDb, you could tell that the father's not on any of them afterwards. Though he yeah. might have just retired, but no. Spoilers, he dies. And we're not sure what he dies of. It's very unclear. I, we'll talk more about that in a little bit. For now, I do want to say, before we get started, that watching sh these old shows, we're going to goof on the special effects of this show quite a bit. Uh, and to be fair to them, uh, they never intended anyone to watch this on a high-resolution TV. They never even expected you to be able to get a quality you know, VHS or DVD rip. They expected you to watch this over the air, on a CRT, probably 20 inches. I don't know what kind of TVs you were dealing with when you were a kid, but my parents had a TV in the room, I think it was like nine inches across. Oh. And so a I lot of these the effects probably I think the biggest TV we had was a, it might've been like 29 inches in the family room or something like that yeah. for the time that's period my, of when this was on. That's my smallest TV that I've ever owned in my adult life because of flat screens. <laughs> and so I think it's worth mentioning that these did not look as clownish in their original presentation. But that being said, let's clown on these special effects. Yeah, because today, now, I mean, they don't, there's no holding up on this. Yeah, they're wild. So let's start here. Let me get my notes. I know this first episode ends uh, starts with some bikers and a voiceover telling us that they're bikers and they are bad. No, the uh, I, I have actual notes for this because it's absolutely ridiculous, the cold open intro on these bikers. They basically talk about super bikers. Yeah. Which is wild. And, and if you've taken better notes, then maybe you can tell me, because I thought about it later. Uh, do they ever talk about any actual crimes that they've done uh, to meet the fate that they're about to meet? No. All they do is they introduce them. They talk about how the FBI, the Canadian Mounties, and as far away as the Surete, which is now you know the French National Police. Uh, uh decree a new breed of biker yeah they didn't do any crime they just said that they're out there. and then they reference and three so... biker groups hell's angels in the u.s the rock uh machine in quebec and the banditos in sweden and then yeah. basically uh johnny shows up yeah shows up and punches them off of their bikes and ruins their bikes and probably i mean seriously injures and kills at least some of them well i think and the most jarring thing out of the whole thing is here we can talk about special effects, right? They have <laughs> these live action shots of bikers and uh -huh. then we cut to green screens when they do any combat and then right back to the live action. And I yeah. can't imagine that even at the time that looked good because it's it's like the old school 1970s, 1980s green screen driving in a car. It is a very cheap green screen uh, and it's kind of shaking around a bit. They're having trouble cutting out Johnny's flowing locks so that that looks good. Uh, 
just hilarious. Oh, and the cape. A hilarious cut. start. Yeah. He's wearing the cape, and when they're in the live shot, and they have, they're, like, showing him from behind, they've, like, tucked it in, so he can't, uh, the cape won't get caught in the wheels, and all I can see or hear in my head when I see this is uh, Edna from The Incredibles saying, no capes. No capes! Yeah, well, well, I'll say in his defense that his magic cape makes him invisible, so his at least serves a function. It's a weird preparation to make yourself invisible, and uh, yeah. I have notes on that when we, if we want to talk about that, too. Oh, yeah, we'll talk about, all about his powers. I mean, and then after this cut, because I have literally a full page of notes just on this cold open because there are so many things that bothered me. We do not need to talk about everything. But we end it, right, with the newscast, and we watch him fly away. Yeah, and they say that's our nightman of some sort. They, but it's the most or, awkward flyaway. It it it's like a somebody like he's cut out of the film and superimposed on top of the other piece of film, and they just somebody's just slowly moving it. Yeah, I guess we never went into what Nightman's powers and powers are. So I guess we let's let's do that. So he's got a he's got a laser eye. That's why he's got a big red weird face. But this eye. is the suit. This isn't Nightman's powers. Yeah, it's true. Nightman's powers, and I did because I've watched the the movie. Uh, I have no better understanding of his powers that he gains than you do, because they do not explain it. They explain what happens, but they don't explain why or he's struck or by lightning. It, yeah, that's what they say. But there's not a cloud in the sky. Yeah, there's not because we have that flashback in this one. Yeah, because you get the flashback in this one. So let's push on, and I just want to say so. Yeah, let's just talk about this. The flying man and his green screen. He has a suit that lets him fly. Yes. And for whatever reason, they've decided that the best, you know, some some superheroes will stand straight up and down while they fly, which looks really cool. You know, it shows that they're very powerful and calm, or they can Superman it, which looks very dynamic. And instead of doing that, they've put him at a 45 degree angle, and he kind of looks like he's just standing there. He's At times, it looks like he's just sitting on a chair for the filming. Yeah. He's kind of lazily... Uh, just floating through the air. Uh, it's the least exciting way that they could animate a man flying that I think I've ever seen. Strange choice. They do better with the introduction to the Ultraverse when we go through our special effects there than they do in yeah. his normal flying. Yeah, that one was great. The uh, We get Dad and some some girl that we don't know both getting sucked into the Ultra Web. I do want to talk when about they call that. the customer support number. The customer support number they just give them a phone number to input into a dialogue box on a computer screen, yeah. by the way. No, great, great dial-up. Apparently dial-up was strong enough to suck people into the computers. But God, this can you girl, imagine how long it would take to transfer, transfer a person? <laughs> no, I don't want to think about that. But bo- So both of them call to complain about people trolling them on the internet, essentially. Yep. There's no technical problem. They're just getting trolled, <laughs> and they don't like it, so they call up the company to complain about it. And when the yeah, girl gets, the girl gets sucked in, she goes through this the whole animation, the light show. We're in the Matrix. She talks to a karate guy, total Matrix, and then she literally talks to and gets fighting with the person trolling him. I thought they were giving out these computers to people who won scholarships and stuff like this. That guy, where did he? Yeah, get who this was that guy? For? And, and how did he get in the computer? Yeah, it, it's this that whole scene. I mean. Confusing. Very confusing. Yeah. And then uh, Johnny's out of work cop dad gets sucked into the internet and they end up hiring him because he's bored 
That's his character the whole series is being bored that he's retired. Oh, yeah. And he got the computer because he's a retired cop through the police force. That's all. Yeah. This show loves the police. I'll say that. The All the Nightman equipment was originally supposed to go to the police to make them better at policing, which is a nightmare. Oh, the suit? To comprehend. Yeah. Oh. A flying, invisible, laser-eyed cop. <laughs> uh, so he gets sucked in the internet and gets hired. And he doesn't even really seem to... I guess they are they are brainwashing him to some degree, but it's not made in, incredibly clear. He just seems to be like, yeah, this is great. I'll break into the politician's office. I'll steal his data. That's great. I mean, uh, he quarreled a little bit, and then eventually, what, I don't know, like four seconds later... Um, Coates he didn't put up an, a particularly big fight no, he, he to, did to committing a felony. And when he gets sucked in during that scene, right, he's in there, it keeps cutting back and forth, um, or previously oh, and yeah. after that, to them driving in the car. And there's another green screen issue because there's no wind. Yep. There's Are they in the Prowler? They are in the Prowler, which I have lovely but fun facts about the Prowler written I, down here. I forgot to mention my favorite cast member, which is the... the Plymouth Prowler. Pony, Plymouth Prowler. That's it, yep. And this was made in 97, so there were 457 Prowlers made that year. And I want to say that I looked up, and Edmonds ranges the value of a used 97 Prowler between $4,000 and $10,000. That's pretty good. Probably better now. I looked it up yesterday. Okay. Well, and it's a, it's an interesting choice because it is, it's very obvious. There's a lot of times where they're like tailing people, and it, it seems unbelievable that someone doesn't notice the purple Plymouth Prowler following them. Yeah, yeah. there was some product uh, placement in this one for that Prowler. But it's also a bad choice because the, I guess they put the top up sometimes when they need to do... The, but it's really hard to green screen a convertible compared to a normal car. Yeah. They they made their own bed and they had to lay in it. And they laid in it diagonally or like um, <laughs> horizontally instead of the correct way. You only lay in bed when you have to fly because you don't have to sleep there, evidently. He doesn't need to sleep. Oh, and um, so the father, I have one more with the father scene. Um, at the end of the scene, when Raleigh comes in, he checks like the usage data or whatever. I was like, oh, the dad used it three minutes ago or whatever. Yeah. Um, he says, your parents, do we ever meet mom? Uh, not that I've seen. Okay. But this show also has a lot of guest stars, so it's possible she showed up in an episode previous. Oh, uh, okay. Even just a couple episodes I watched is lousy with uh, stunt casting. It's not surprising that they got Donald Trump because I watched one episode that had Little Richard in it. We can talk about that since we did watch that Donald Trump scene. We'll do that at the end. Yeah. Because um, it's hilariously bad. Oh, in the internet, um, they use golf carts to get around apparently on super speed. Yeah, and they're sitting in front of a landscape that looks like the Windows background, which I thought was pretty funny. And then for whatever reason, they go straight from there to what nightman describes is it looks like a place where you would rent vampires. Oh yeah. The room. It's, yeah. They're going they're They're at hell, which he calls it. Uh, I wrote it down internet. Uh, it's, it's hot.com hell on the web. Uh, H O T W.com. Welcome to H O T W.com. Uh, I'm sorry. Hell on the web. It's a very exclusive club. But you're soon to be a member. Oh, okay. Um, and I looked it up. If anybody's interested, it is for the the domain is, is for sale. Great, perfect place to put your vampire rental business. So that's essentially the whole arc. We don't need to go into much more about the dad. He's just no. brainwashed and doing bad things. And at the and end, Johnny's when, worried about it. Yeah, we do the thing, but 
Yeah, no more about the dad. I am curious. Uh, right, he goes to the tech conference, and that's when he has the the weird flashback. Yeah, but first, before he does that, he does the important Nightman sequence, which is the saxophone concert. Every episode has a three-minute to five-minute-long montage musical number of him playing the saxophone. It's really wild, a waste, incredible waste of time, uh, and I feel bad for the poor man that had to pretend to play the saxophone. Yeah, because, I mean, he's either pretending to play the saxophone or he doesn't have to breathe, and the cuts are really bad. Very rough. I mean, they're kind of just... Even as an editor and a cameraman, you got to get bored at number 12 of them, right? <laughs> yeah, I would have to assume so. They do play Ugh. that up a lot in every episode, the whole saxophone thing. I mean, I get it. it he's he is, a jazz it, musician, but I'm not really he's sure. He's the city's most beloved musician person. Like, they love that man. He's the little Sebastian of playing the saxophone. The Duke Silver of playing the saxophone. That's true. <laughs> <laughs> oh, God. But And despite that, uh, no one recognizes him on site. They all know who he is when he's like playing the saxophone and then he shows up somewhere and they're not like, oh, hey, you're the saxophone guy that everyone loves and is a big local celebrity. Yeah. Like he's able to go undercover in his Plymouth Prowler as a famous saxophone player and no one ever notices who he is. They don't have any complicated feelings about it. It's wild. Can we talk about the apartment? Yeah, he's got a great. Well, you wanted to talk about the the flashback. Oh, I did. I'm. The, I do want to talk about I've got the flashback. More to say about that. Tell me about the flashback. I. This is where we kind of find out he's got like some sort of spidey sense, like foresight yeah. or like past sight or like some. He's seeing something. If something bad's happening, there's a chance that for some reason Nightman will get some sort of vision. And I guess we probably could have dove into the comics a little bit to understand that. But I mean, we're not talking about the comics. We're talking about the Nightman TV series here. When I have it written here, while we were watching it, I frustratedly wrote, what are his powers? Yeah, and, uh, and, and that flashback, too. He's, why do we have a flashback in a syndicated television show? Like, I have any yeah. idea what happened before the show that I'm watching. That uh, this show that we were not able even to find on the listings would expect that you have seen all the episodes before and not bother to tell you about what it is that they're showing you that they're flashing back to. Yeah, they give you no information. We're just supposed to assume that we knew what happened and um we're we're getting the context clues. Well, but the flashback is not. fantastic. We laughed out loud when it came up because it is <laughs> it is a mess. It's uh it's a poor lightning bolt superimposed over a CG poor CG cable car that's obviously green screened over like a full house style San Francisco row house. Uh, and then it gets struck by lightning, and then he says, the characters say something, and they're like, oh yeah, it's just like that thing, right? Everyone was on that cable car. Yeah. Or something. And so that was confusing. And then later on, uh, Nightman decides to get into Kieran Key's limo and get sucked into the internet, and that's how he finds out about the bad internet. Yep. And after he talks to Kieran Keys for a little bit, he comes out and he's talking to Raleigh, he says, I know that man. And then we smash cut back to the flashback. Only this time, the thing falls over and explodes comically. And that's all they tell us about it. Yeah. It, they say, every, I, he was on that cable car with me or something. And we're like, what cable car? And watching it kind of just lazily fall over and explode. This show likes its explosions a lot. It doesn't have very many of them. It's playing the same explosion over and over again. Yeah, it's not very when good. When one of their internet rooms is just a background of explosions 
and it's kind of tiled. You can tell it's the same explosion multiple times, and it, it's a probably a three-second loop. It's a weird choice. And that same explosion pops up all over the series so so far that I've watched. That same explosion is used heavily. It's they must have paid choice. some good money for it. Um, there is that one cut. He goes back to the apartment, right? Because um, that's how um, our big bad knows where he lives. He has apparently His surveillance all over red. the city. With HD surveillance, by the way, in 1997. Right. Um, but he opens the outside door and there's no window panes. It's the cheapest looking graded jail cell door. Yeah. Um, and whose apartment is it, right? He doesn't need to sleep. And Raleigh's always there when he goes there. Well, it's, I guess it's, yeah, maybe they just share the apartment together. Oh, maybe. They're roommates. It's fine. It's, I, from watching, I don't know if I got it from this one or this, but it is on top of the, the blues club that he plays at, which uh, okay. yeah, we didn't see much of the blues club. We saw some in the second episode that we'll talk about. Yeah, that's right. But we spent a lot more time in the Blues Club in the first couple episodes that I watched. Yeah, but I mean, moving on from all this just generic, weird things and terrible, like, effect choices and props, um, right? They, the the final battle is in the internet. Yeah. Um, and it's unclear what's happening. And there's a biker NATO? It's, yeah, he gets attacked by bikers. And he got him back. He brought him to the, the, inter, the Ultra Web, which you mentioned that I do want to... Uh, we'll put in the clip here of him describing it as a four lane information superhighway. Oh, are you talking about the ultra web? The ultra web he describes as a hundred lane highway. Oh, a hundred lane with unlimited or um uh, speeds based on your imagination or something like that. Yeah. Um, and he d- details the original internet as a two lane highway because the internet's a highway. Why would anyone choose to travel an internet which is the equivalent of let's say a two lane highway, top speed? 50 miles an hour. When they can have access to the ultra web, a super highway to the future, 100 lanes wide, top speed limited only by the imagination. It's better than a series of tubes. Well, I guess it is 1997. Yeah. And he talks about surfing it here. That is the verb. So that he's back to get his dad and Kieran is telling his dad to shoot him. And he reveals himself to his dad to be Johnny which the fact that his dad didn't know that already is comical. A little bit. Uh, given that his face is almost entirely uncovered, and, and he's got that son. hair, and it is your son. And he sounds like that. And and uh, <laughs> the thing, the things where he got the Nightman equipment, like they were kind of like working that job together uh, in, the, in the pilot movie. So the idea that he doesn't know who Nightman <laughs> is is hilarious. Um, and he uh, and maybe, the writer, maybe the writer, Glenn A. Larson, didn't know that. Oh, at the time, yeah. <laughs> he made the series. But his dad pulls the trigger and fires the bullet. Yeah. And then Kieran Keys does something. He hits something that's like delete or something and sends him home. He deletes him. And that must be what happened because after that, he goes, Nightman goes to his dad in his apartment and he is dead. But why would his and body be there and his internal not be there? It's very unclear. And they really don't, they don't portray it. Well, I watched it over and over again trying to figure it out when I was writing this. They should have just the, had him not be there. The synopsis. Yeah, it was strange. But no, then you'd say like, he could be alive, right? You got to show me that he's dead. I guess. Show me a body. I mean, with how poorly written this is, I I don't think that would have been a problem for the following episodes. You just could forget no. about him. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no one watching this show. I don't think anybody did watch this show. I'm surprised uh, it got two seasons. He's going to be cared about the continuity, I think. So Kieran Keyes is a, an actor that I recognized. Yeah, he's uh Kim Coates. 
our big bad, and um, he's played in a lot of things, mostly recent, though. Yeah, he seems to have done a lot better after the 90s. Uh, I think it was mostly walk-ons in the 90s, and then um, I think you have the list of the few things current, right? No, I don't have the list. Let me... I can get to it real quick. Oh, yeah, he's been on the 2000s were very good for him. He was in Black Hawk Down. This part of the story where our knight, our warrior, is about to slay the one-eyed dragon, that's scary. He's a sniper. <laughs> Battlefield Earth. I think he's the sniper in Black Hawk Down. That's one I haven't watched in years. But his big one is Sons of Anarchy. Right. He plays Tig, main cast on that one. And uh, he looks a lot better with uh, his more sunken face and facial hair. He's uh, aged very well um, Yeah, through life. Because he's uh, yeah. a bit chubby and uh, uh, kind of weird looking um, with his fat face in Ultra Web. Yeah, he looked familiar, but I couldn't place it, and that's because he looks so kind of strangely glowing, rotund. That's all I've got for Ultraweb. I don't know if there's anything else you wanted to hit on that one. Oh, no, I'm good. I'm ready to move on to the next one. Yeah, I tried to fill out my synopses a lot, and what I ran into the problem that very little happens in this show, and this next episode is, I think, even worse, because at least we have the internet explosions and the golf carts and stuff. But The, the next one is kind of a mess. A bit yep. racist. Season two. And yeah. just slightly uncomfortable at times. But I do want to say, in this general description, there's, you know, a voodoo woman in here. Um, and that uh, actress who plays this woman is Kim mm-hmm. Hawthorne. And she goes for it. Oh, yeah. She's doing a great job. As much as I'm going to, like, make fun of a lot of the things that they're going to go through or just bring it up and think it's weird... Uh, the actress herself uh, really goes for it. So this is season two, episode 21, Night Woman Returns. I enjoyed the Tubi description of it that said, as the title implies, Night Woman Returns. And that's their entire that's great synopsis of the episode. Uh, this is directed by Brenton Spencer, written by Michael Gleason. Both of these guys and the director for the previous one, uh, I'm not going to go too much into it. They're just uh, solid working directors. A lot of, lot of credits, but nothing really jumped out at me to mention. Mm. So Lori Jarvis, a.k.a. Night Woman. She helps a woman rescue her son from what turns out to be a Caribbean dictator. The dictator's son, the father of the child, uses the loyal his loyal and problematic voodoo priestess to track them down in Bay City, where they've taken refuge with Johnny. After Johnny plays the sax for a bit, an escalating series of voodoo tricks leads to Nightwoman striking out on her own to stop the villains, with Nightman helping her out just in the nick of time. Cassandra, the voodoo woman, as you said, is played by Kim Hawthorne. And uh, Laurie Jarvis, Nightwoman, is played by Deanna Milligan. One of the crazy things about this episode that I noticed on uh, going back through for the synopsis is that it takes six and a half minutes to get to the opening credits. That cold open is... It's so long. So long. So unnecessary. Kind of confusing. I guess it sets up our plot line pretty well, but at the same time, I'm pretty sure a, a minute and a half could have done exactly the same thing. So most of this episode, we don't even have to talk in detail about it is Kim Hawthorne doing voodoo mumbly magic. We probably spend eight minutes of this episode watching her do that kind of stuff in a room somewhere, unclear where. At the beginning, at least we're in the we're at the Caribbean palace of the dictator. And we meet Nightwoman, who I guess is we understand has been previous. That's why she returns. She must have been in previous episodes, I assume. Well they do bring it up that she's not in her wheelchair anymore. Yeah. I guess she was paralyzed and was able to use her Nightwoman suit to some degree which the that suit is maybe my favorite it's a bad special effect but i like but it i love it 
She has this weird glowy space blouse. And in that cold open, they do a pretty good job of like when her jacket or cape ruffles, you get like bits and pieces of the glowing. Yeah. They kind of do a nice little build there. To do that as much as they did throughout this episode is impressive. That is something that I would say probably don't try to do that because, right, that's a lot of work for a pretty low payoff. Yeah. But on the other hand, she looks way better than Nightman. She does. So there's uh, six and a half minutes of sneaking around, putting a guard to sleep or knocking him out. Yeah, she does make that statement that she did not kill him. Yep. Uh, and then, the, but the dictator does at the end, right? He says, "Tell me, everyone was on duty tonight." Mm-hmm. So they get the baby and they get away, and then they go to Bay City and enlist Nightman's help. We get to watch him play the saxophone for another three minutes. they get to talk to him about it and that's where we find out about Nightwoman's previous wheelchair times uh, and then the whole rest of the episode is is just voodoo magic sequence un- unimpressive action sequence voodoo priestess sequence unimpressive action sequence we get a lot of the whoopa punches yeah uh, in this one like every punch is really audible they really oh, yeah. emphasize the, it the chicken on a car hood sound effect yeah yeah it was not as, you know, big of a thing in that first episode we watched, but in this one, it had... A I think there wasn't a lot of punching, fortunately. I mean, the he punched the bikers, which was very funny, because not very... I, he punched the security guards in the first one, did like a uh, standing, like, hooray punch, and then they just both fell down, even though it didn't really even connect. Yeah. Uh, but this one had a lot of goons to be punching through for whatever reason. And that door. I love the door. So let's just... We don't even... You know, if we got notes, we'll get to them. I wrote door missile <laughs> because uh, when they're trying to get into a room, I think Nightman is the one who does it, and he blows up the door in such a way that the door just moves horizontally into the two guards and then just knocks them down and lays lays on top of them. Yep, and they do this stupid pre- precursor to it, too, where there's a knock on the door, and yeah. Nightwoman goes, you, you better, better answer, answer that. that. Yeah. A lot of classic nonsense in there, and that door just floats for, I don't know, like a second to I love seconds. that. Uh, it doesn't look good, but it's fun. It, it does not look good. Finally, laser beams. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure he's done it previously, but, you know, in these episodes. He did it. He he literally melted some people in the pilot. Oh. Yeah. Uh, just some guards, not the actual bad guy who's doing the crimes. Just the, the loyal paid employees. Mm. The fight scenes I have in my notes here, since we're still talking about fight scenes. Yeah. Um, the camera work is really trying to, like, cover up for poor choreography. Yeah. And it's really kind of a jarring, nauseating experience in some of these fight scenes, right? I can actually say that there are a few where, like, I get easy motion sickness, and I started to get motion sick from how much the camera shook. Awesome. I appreciated in the long bar scene, there was some fun. It must have been a real bar because it had appropriate set dressing. We saw a big neon Zima bottle. Oh, yeah. And then three different ads for Anchor Steam beer. I wrote fire hands, but I can't remember why. Uh, didn't his hands get lit on fire? She used shot fire out of her hands. Oh, that's what it is. Yeah. Like all voodoo practitioners. Yeah. She can shoot fire from her hands. I wrote down garlic flavored charcoal because of that commercial that came on that I thought was really funny where they put garlic flavor in your charcoal. (laughs) I wrote down, Hey, let's talk about his power of foresight a little more. And, uh, what, what, what a dull show it makes for. Cause in this episode in particular, we noticed it's things are happening. 
the priestess makes a voodoo doll of him and stabs him a bit and then Nightwoman stops her. And then Nightwoman gets in trouble. And so there's a point where Nightman just sees that she's in trouble with his magic vision and goes and saves the day. And every single episode I watched is that way. There's just there's a conflict and then he sees what the answer is and then he does it. Yeah, it's uh, it kind of takes a lot of fun. Like Sp- Spider-Man has a spidey sense that triggers what, you know, moments before he might see yeah. disaster or however it works. But this is long term. You know, he gets a big old picture of way too much. This is really it's like my dad's missing. And then he sees his dad get sucked into the computer and he's like, good to know. He has the type of superpower with this foresight thing that like a um, a seven year old would come up with like halfway through <laughs> yeah. the game. So they don't lose. Uh, I wrote down. So in the first episode that I watched the in the first episode of the series, after he gets struck by lightning, there's a doctor of psychic phenomenon that comes and he says, I see stuff, but I only see bad stuff. And he says, that's because you're in tune with the frequency of evil. You're in tune to the frequency of evil. What? And the first several episodes start with a reminder that he can do that. It shows that guy saying, you're in tune with the frequency of evil. So weird. But they decided at some point that you didn't need to know that, uh, despite the fact that it was going to be the hinge point of every single plot. What else do I have in my notes here? Oh, I have uh, U.S. State Department jokes about, you know, propping up dictators and then flip-flopping as soon as they were gone. Yeah. I think I referenced the 1980s, and apparently I wrote something about Tripolitina um, in 1805, but apparently I didn't finish my thought. So maybe there was a joke right. there, but we can we can gloss over that. From the halls of Voodoo Zuma, I don't have anything. We're going to cut that. <laughs> it, w- it was just not. It, this episode was significantly worse. This was way duller than Ultraverse. And... and Ultraverse, my wife came in and talked to me for four or five minutes and said, I don't know what you're watching, but this isn't very good. It's really dull. The last note that I have is that all the ritual scenes reminded me of a Chinese movie called Spooky Encounters. That's a martial arts movie that ends with a wizard chanting wizard battle. <laughs> all right. And it's so cool. And you should go watch that instead of this is all I got to say about that. Yeah, that's Spooky fair. Encounters. Good movie. Um, I do have my overall thoughts now that we're at the end of our episodes. Yeah, my last question that we can will go with this overall thoughts. Who did they make this show for? Because it's too boring for kids and it's too dumb for grownups. And this is a, a situation where I wonder if syndicated shows had, if this show had come four, three or four years earlier, maybe it would have had a better time because TV was less full. I don't know. Yeah, I, I don't know. I, I want to be curious of what executive greenlit this, but at the same time it was syndicated, so this could have been like a, a pet project or a passion project or something that got thrown together, like, hey, we got extra money sitting around in the account this year. I want you to go ahead and uh, make something that you were talking about. Well, you need a you need a failure for your tax write-off. Or, or that. That's very possible. Yeah. yeah. But my overall thoughts... Or, or it doesn't have to be good for you to get paid. Yeah. Yeah, what do you think? What's your final word on Nightman? The, so my my general feeling, especially about the acting, is it's mediocre or or okay, like it's all passable. But nothing can hold this show together through this awful writing and direction. There are some choices, especially like just general camera work, that you just wonder why they did anything that they were doing. And the writing, just that dialogue, it's so 
dull. Nothing keeps you in. Like, what what am I paying attention to half the time? Yeah. I would not watch more episodes of this like you would. I don't think they... Uh, I'm already watching more. Unfortunately, I've got a job where I can work from home and I can just have the TV on and I don't need to pay attention to it. As a matter of fact, uh, I woke up this morning, I turned on my computer and all this noise was coming out and I couldn't figure out what it was. Then the saxophone started up and I realized that I must have started pl- auto-playing 2B again and so I had gotten through 18 episodes of Nightman <laughs> overnight. Well, I mean, I know you're still watching it since you have committed our podcast faux pas and broken the rules, but... W- yeah, I'm a uh, lawbreaker and an outlaw, and I don't regret it, and I'm going to continue doing it. What are your thoughts? <laughs> I, I don't know why I enjoy this trash pile as much as I do, but it's uh, it's funny. Uh, I can't believe anyone thought this was a good idea, but I really like watching it. I find it strangely compelling. All right, well, fair enough. If uh, anybody else wants to watch it. And there's only like 44 episodes. You can watch so. it on uh, Pluto TV, Tubi, Roku Channel, Vudu, Amazon Prime Video, uh, in partnership with IMDb TV. And if you're really digging it, you can buy episodes on Apple TV for a buck ninety nine a piece. And the DVDs on sale at Walmart. Yeah, I think it was like twenty six dollars and change. Uh, if you really wanted to pick it up, you get all forty four episodes. Oh, I wonder how that looks. I wonder. Oh, I'm considering it. Dang it! I don't even have anything to play DVDs on. What am I doing? <laughs> we'll put a pin in that. Uh, so we talked a little bit about toys. We always try to do a toy section at the end. There were three Nightman toys, all based on an Ultraverse cartoon. Uh, they were made by Galoob. They were Galoob action figures. They were actually yeah, pretty, uh, pretty decent action figures. The company that brought you Game Genie. Now they bring you Nightman. There was a, a basic figure, which they numbered number nine, and then a black card variant of that same figure. But the box that came in was different, labeled number 20. And then they had a Shadowfire Nightman variant number 18. That's what we could find. I always loved those toys where they... Say, oh, we don't have enough things to make, so we're just going to make a blue Batman. It would be a line of five toys, and it would be four variants of Batman and one villain. Like, how are you supposed to play with that as a kid? You got 18 Batman. I don't know. I think this one's even worse, because literally number nine and number 20 are the exact same figure, but they're in different boxes. It's a bad-looking figure, too. That face is rough, and if we uh, have the ability, I'm hoping to make that the thumbnail for this episode. Because it's it just looks like he's... They've made an error on the face. The one big red eye. Good hair, though. Definitely good hair. I mean... All right. Uh, we got to rate the show. We do have to rate the show. You want to go first on the rating, or would you like to hear mine first? No, I'm going to go first. I'm going to give it a 9 out of 15. A 9 out of 15. Yeah. I don't know what I... I need to track what I've given other things for consistency's sake. I don't know right now, but that's what I'm giving it. 9 out of it's 15. It's on the Excel sheet. Oh, well. I'll know that for next time. What didn't tell me what you think of it. I am going to give this a 5 out of 15. All right. That's a solid 33%. I'm going to give it credit where credit is due, but I'm also going to take away where it is undeserving. That's fair. And then the tried and true Wolf Bronski. Is this nastier than Wolf Bronski? Uh, Ain't nothing nastier than Wolf Bronski. I say yes. Yeah, it definitely. This thing's nasty. This thing's thing's a mess. (laughs) It's freaking rough. But it's, I I think it goes down easier than uh, 7th Heaven. I'll, I'll give it that it much. It goes down easier than the musical episode <laughs> of Seventh Heaven. That's true. That's for sure. It does. I will have to disagree with the rest of it. I think even just dialogue-wise, Seventh Heaven draws you in a little bit more than this does. Yeah. I guess it's too bad we didn't watch the episode where someone is causing earthquakes. And they don't even explain what's happening. But the way you find out an earthquake's about to happen 
is everyone at the bar turns to the TV and there's a special transmission on and it's little Richard and he's and he's going wahoo it's a shaking going on and he says there's going to be an earthquake in two minutes and it's just this more fun to watch than the rest of the series is watching little Richard be a silly man and talk about and and he's not even responsible he's just reading cue cards he's just this guy on public access TV that somehow terrorists use to transmit information about their terror plot and it doesn't make any sense what episode is that? that's the third one okay wild wow um oh and uh we didn't talk about donald trump we didn't there's a donald trump episode there's not a lot to say about it green screened like donald trump transition type thing yeah yep, the green screened him in he says three things it's he's like hey that happens it's okay you could tell they had him for five minutes and they filmed him in front of the green screen and just threw him into the episode Yep, and just superimposed them right in there, and it was uncomfortable. Yep. Well, that's Nightman. Get over it. You can find us at www.90schmaltz.cool um, or wherever else we decide to upload questions, comments, likes, or other likes. You can send word to us at 90schmaltz at gmail.com. You trying to turn my lights off? I'm trying to make sure that I can see where we're at the end. There's a somebody I'm longing to see. I hope that he turns out to be someone. This whole thing that we've been involved in has to do with some kind of a future weapons that you guys are developing out there, right? Even if that were true, you know I can't speak about that. I mean, Charlie, help me out. Frank, these guys take oaths. If he were to tell you something, he'd go to jail. Now, you wouldn't want that, would you? Jail. Yeah, right. I knew you guys would come up with something. You don't know either. Won't you tell